Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Well, we are back for an awesome episode and I just want to introduce my guest. Please enjoy my wonderful guest who happens to be the music supervisor for many awesome projects in the Netflix world. We talk a little bit about that uh, and how we met and his background to becoming a music supervisor. His name is Justin Camps and we had a lovely conversation about his career and awesome projects that he's currently working on. So without further ado, I give you my chat with Justin Camps. Well, thanks again, Justin, uh, for joining my podcast. I appreciate this. I know we kind of been, uh, you know, hanging out on Twitter here or there. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. And I figured with the new season of Lucifer coming out in like days, basically, mm-hmm. um, to kind of reach out because I'm excited to finally watch this new season, just like pretty much everybody that watched the show. So, but before we get to that, I'd like to kind of walk, walk me through kind of your background and how you got into music supervision and, and kind of where it all started. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, thanks for having me, Brooke. Uh, this, is, this is fun. It's always fun to, you know, I have my own podcast as well, so it's fun to hop on other people's podcasts and talk it up. Um, so yeah, my background, um, how I got into music supervision, um, you know, I, I always growing up, you know, was pretty heavily involved in music. My parents got me in like a music class really young. And then uh, I was, you know, heavily involved, involved in music at church and school. And, and uh, yeah, eventually when I ended up going off to college, I was like, yep, I'm going to be a music, music major uh, and I'm going into music education. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, at Carroll College in Wisconsin, uh, which is where I'm from. Um, and, you know, I started taking, uh, I really loved all the music classes. I was singing in choir, uh, taking music theory, music history. Um, and the education classes weren't quite doing it for me. So uh, I ended up graduating with a music major and a business minor uh, from Carroll and kind of was like, okay, well now what do I do with this? It's just, uh, it's just a music major. And, you know, I wasn't really into uh, going into performing full time uh, or anything like that. So I started to look around at other jobs, you know, that existed in the music industry. Um, and I always, uh, you know, uh, one of my earliest jobs was working at a movie theater and you know just was always into movies and tv and music and was trying to look at like what is the combination of those things and you know i growing up too i like love soundtracks like moulin rouge and and all these uh you know tv soundtracks and stuff and so i was trying to figure out who the heck does that and you know at the time i was really into watching um shows like rescue me and chuck and uh you know eventually learned about you know, Alexander Patsavis and what she did uh, as a music supervisor. And I was like, oh man, music supervision, that sounds like what I want to do. So let me figure out how I can, you know, like I still have an opportunity to maybe like, you know, go further in my education. Uh, How can I get in this? And, you know, I'm just in Wisconsin. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, uh, it seems like you have to be in Hollywood probably for that kind of job at the time. So I was like trying to figure out how can I get in a, to a position to be, you know, out in California. Um, and I started looking at different schools, going to, into graduate programs, um, and I found uh, Columbia College Chicago 
had a uh, music business master's uh, program. And uh, that, you know, happened to include a, a music supervision course as one of the, as one of the classes you could take. Uh, there was not like a, it wasn't like a music supervision masters or anything, but there was a class. And then the main thing that drew me uh, to going there was this uh, semester in LA program where uh, for, you know, six weeks or so you would uh, come out to LA here uh, where I am now. And um, you would, you know, uh, once we, once I did come out here for a semester LA, it was like, you know, having classes on a studio lot and, there are producers and music supervisors coming in to every class to tell us, uh, you know, about their jobs and let us, uh, you know, kind of see how the industry worked like when you're actually out here and, and kind of get involved in working on some, uh, you know, small budget movies that didn't mind a bunch of students just messing around, you know, trying to <laughs> write a song for their movie or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I ended up going to uh, Columbia College, Chicago. Uh, joined the music supervision class did a did uh apparently a, a good enough job to get noticed by the teachers in that class and the one of the teachers used to work at chop shop um but was now in chicago uh working you know um for a record label at the time and uh she knew that i was gonna be going into this semester in la program at the end of my um school year here at uh, columbia college in chicago uh the um yeah and so she recommended like hey uh you should maybe reach out to you know alex and the gang at chop shop they might be looking for interns you know i can i can uh, let them know that you're going to be reaching out and uh yeah so i ended up reaching out and when i moved out here for the semester in la program um shortly after i moved out i had an interview at chop shop and um they uh brought me on as, as an intern there uh yeah, so I so I started interning at Chop Shop. You know, I also like I kind of skipped over this, but I did have internships in Chicago, as well, working for Leo Burnett and, uh, and Chuck Fine, working on some ad stuff there too for Chop Shop. But um, yeah, then I interned at Chop Shop for a couple of years um, before getting hired on part time and and uh, and then eventually full time. And then you know, prior to Chop Shop closing here, very recently, uh, you know, I had been working there for over ten years. Awesome. So to kind of bring this full circle uh, for the listeners out there of why I, I reached out to you months ago um, is when I, so people may or may not know, but I was one of those weird people that cut the TV cord like six years ago. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get a chance to check out Lucifer when it was on Fox. I discovered it on Netflix last year and I fell in love with it and binged it in six days, all four seasons, not to lie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Awesome. But what drew me other than the, the everything else in the show, but really what drew me was your choice in music was what you guys worked on. And it kind of clicked in me because like you from a very young age, I was, I was a band geek. So I played saxophone. I've been like, music has just kind of been ingrained in me from a very young age because my dad was a musician. And so I didn't, it didn't click until really recently when I was watching Lucifer last year that I've been a person that has been obsessed with soundtracks and music scores my whole life. Cause like when people talk to me about pop culture, they usually, 
know to ask me about the music because I'm the first one to point it out. But it just never occurred to me that that was a, you know, a job that you could do. I always thought it was like part of the production, part of like, you know, maybe the producers were doing it on something. So like you said that when you kind of discovered your avenue and, and kind of pursuing the career and what you've done, what kind of clicked in you of like, like you said, you watch shows like like Chuck you mentioned, which was a great show, I do have to say. Um, but what kind of like, other than your research, when you decided to pursue the career, what, what, what would you say for people like myself or other people out there kind of considering, trying to figure out how to pursue their passion within the creative realm that we're in? Uh, yeah, what do you, you want to know? Like, um, yeah, how people should, how people should try to go about getting into music supervision or? Well, not specifically music supervision, but I guess because, I guess my question is, is the av like for a person like myself that is now well into her thirties mm -hmm. and figured this out, um, I can't necessarily go the intern route because, mm -hmm. you know, I have bills. So obviously I'm doing as much as I can to kind of research and network and, and maybe learn as much as I can, maybe take a class online if I can get that, you know, fit into the schedule. But what, what do you think going forward? I know there's kind of been different right now. We're in this weird time of COVID, but yeah. going forward for the industry, what do you, what do you think for not even me specifically, but for people who want to somehow pursue their dreams, maybe out here in LA or elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, there's, there's, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, COVID-19 right at the moment is making things really difficult. Uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking, you know, like you asking for advice on what to do, how to get into music supervision, um, you know, and, and, and I guess this, you know, this could go for any, anything you're trying to get into out here. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there are classes available uh, in music supervision. I don't know if they're being taught right at this moment, um, but there might be some coming up for the fall semester here. Um, but even if you can't take a class, there are books you can read. You can pick up like a, you know, you can pick up like the Passman Music Business book uh, to just kind of get a good overall, you know, um, get an overall context of like how the music business works. And then there are, there is a uh, music supervision complete guide to selecting music for movies, uh, TV games and new media. Um, that is kind of like a textbook. And in fact, they used an older, an older edition of that book in the, our music supervision class in uh, Columbia. Um, that if you, you know, it's, it's, it's like 25 bucks or something on Amazon. If you don't have, the ability to pay uh, to take a class, you can read that book and and start to you know some people might not even do that, and you can have a little bit of a leg up on how the you know how the job works because a lot of people have the misconception that we are just you know uh, putting together and slinging playlists all day and just listening to music. That's all we do. <laughs> um, but there are so many other things that we do. A lot, a lot of uh, administrative paperwork. Um, and negotiating fees and um, all sorts of also non-creative things that happen in the job that um, require you know both sides of your brain, <laughs> uh, and it's not it's not always just the uh, yeah just the glamorous um, you know I'm just uh, got my headphones on listening to music and placing songs like it's not it's not quite like that all the time so um, you know those kind of resources can help people to kind of get um, a better picture of what a music supervisor does. 
And then, you know, on top of that right now, I know there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of organizations uh, like the Guild of Music Supervisors that, uh, just to name one, that are doing, um, you know, regular virtual panels. Um, I was on one recently too with a company called What Up Pitches uh, that did a panel with a few music supervisors. Um, I think there was like, uh, you know, there was a panel today, I think, with Mondo NYC that, uh, you know, was also about sync. There's all sorts of stuff going on uh, right now because everyone's in the same boat. Like you can't, you can't, you know, Guild Music Supervisors, they would be doing the, you know, State of Music conference um, during the summer here and they can't do that in person. So they're doing all these panels and it's a great way to be able to, um, you know, have some direct contact with music supervisors, hear them talk about their job, uh, talk about more specific things that the panel might be covering, and for, uh, possibly a chance for you to, you know, ask some questions directly. Um, yeah, I think those are all ways that people can, you know, be out there using their time if, you know, if you are stuck at home, um, and you can use your time to, yeah, kind of like look up those kind of things and, and start to learn on your own uh, what a supervisor does and how you can maybe go about, you know, working your way towards being one. Cool. So along those lines with the resources, mm -hmm. so I guess, I guess my next question would be on, you've, you've mentioned to me, you know, off air about uh, there's, you know, there's, uh, other companies out there that are in the sync space that are in the licensing space or perhaps uh, looking for some sort of position maybe with a publishing house for music what avenue do you see as kind of the the, the better way of, of learning because obviously those are all learning positions that I, I'm more and well you know would love to I'm more interested in too but is it as you mentioned, most people just think you're listening to music all day, but also you have to know the licensing side, the publishing right. negotiations you talked about, which I've researched on my own, mm -hmm. which actually I find very fascinating. But um, so what, what would you be, I guess my question is where would you think with the way things have halted right now in this weird year that we're having as the best avenue? Cause do you think that maybe in the future with the way, the industry is changing that maybe the path may change as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the path, you know, it's tough cause there's not really one specific path to becoming a supervisor. You know, you, you can, you can talk to uh, everyone who <laughs> is a supervisor and they'll tell you everyone will have a different story. You know, um, some people happened into it. Uh, other people, you know, have been, you know, going to school or, or, you know, clearly working towards it. Um, so there's a, there's, you know, a myriad different ways you can get into it. Um, but uh, yeah, honestly, one of the best ways would be to uh, have an internship or work as an assistant or coordinator for a music supervisor who's either independent or has a company where they might have a, you know, structure for an intern. Um, and I know that one, that's not feasible for everyone, but you know, if it is, if it is what you want to do and that opportunity comes up, uh, that is, that's something that might, you know, you know, you might have a hard time passing that up because, you know, those opportunities don't always come, come up. And, uh, and yeah, the, those are, that's really the best way to get the direct 
you know, <laughs> direct learning experience uh, on what music supervision is. Um, other than that, yeah, you can, there, there's plenty of, um, you know, third party pitching companies um, who represent artists for sync uh, specifically. And sometimes they're also hiring interns or assistants. Um, and there you can, you can, you know, depending on what they allow their interns to do and whatever, but you can get uh, an idea of what it's like to pitch to a music supervisor. And you can also work on potentially learning about, you know, master and sync licenses and what goes into licensing a song, a song for sync in film and TV and advertising as well and video games. Um, that those are other places where you can, you know, not necessarily, you're not really doing the job of a music supervisor, but you're working directly with them and really getting to learn a lot of what a supervisor does. Uh, and, and that's another way to get some good hands-on experience. It's just, it's just tough right now because um, you know, a lot of these places are, uh, even, even the pitching companies, you know, are, are slower right now because, um, I've heard from a few of them, a lot of, a lot of them, you know, most of their, <laughs> most of their business comes from filming TV. And, uh, right now those things are slowed down, uh, immensely. There's some that are starting to get back up a little bit, but, um, throughout this ads have still been going and video games and, and also animated uh, projects have been going as well. So, you know, those companies might still be in a position where they want to hire an assistant or have an internship program going. Um, but uh, it's hard to say right now it's been, you know, it's a little tough for everyone. And so I, I know a lot of places aren't really looking, but I know people are prepping um, to have like internship programs once things get back up and running. Would you say that like maybe, well, going forward, like you mentioned that you, you know, you, you had, you were in music and, and like I mentioned, I did music when I was younger. Well, and I guess my question is, have you ever done it? Like when you were getting into it from the perspective of pitching something you composed or wrote to somebody just to kind of see, like you mentioned, get that experience. And then why did you go the avenue of, placing as opposed to composing uh you know i never um yeah i guess i you know i never i never really uh pitched anything that i've written um you know i i uh was in a band um you know <laughs> in college with friends and and you know we wrote songs and stuff but we we never got too far into like professionally producing things um you know i did take some producing recorded music classes in grad school, but I was never like super into fully diving into, you know, producing my own stuff or anything or, or really getting into the, you know, technical aspects of using, you know, being an engineer or all that stuff that you need to kind of like produce your own stuff at home. So I never really got into composing or writing music that was going to be, you know, suitable or sync uh, on film and TV projects. So I never really went that route and was really more about, you know, trying to do the creative um, placing of music in film and TV. Because, you know, I had, um, through college, uh, a friend of mine and I, you know, we, we made a, we went on a choir tour uh, one of the years we were in, in college. 
and we made a, you know, we took our cameras and filmed all this stuff and made a big, uh, like a hour and a half long documentary of this trip. And that was one of the times where, you know, we weren't doing, it was just like an internal thing for us to do for fun. And we weren't doing any clearance or anything. So this was, this was totally just an exercise. I'm like, oh man, if I could pick any song <laughs> at all, like how would I put it into this, um, movie and edit the song in and everything and that was really a moment where i'm like oh man i really love doing this i'm like placing these songs and we're like i was we were also i was also you know editing the movie it was just me and my friends so we were also you know cutting music specifically to scenes or setting cutting scenes specifically to a song and that was really fun for me um and really helped to solidify like yeah this is what i want to do uh, and, um, yeah, so I never really, I never really was, uh, trying to pitch any of my music cause it wasn't as good. <laughs> it wasn't good as uh, other people's. So I didn't think it would be worth it. <laughs> well, it just, it's, just, I was just curious, um, yeah. different routes, I guess, um, with, with, I guess what I, my questions are for the fact that like, like you said, there's a lot of like uncertainty right now in the world, mm -hmm. but not only that in Hollywood. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm the avenues to go uh, there, you know, there were many different avenues, but kind of, I feel like a lot of people m might try to, might be thinking out there that may listen to this. What should I do? Even if it's not even music supervision, is it like what it, you know, maybe taking a class, maybe not taking a class. Um, so I guess I was just kind of trying to get from like all different angles of maybe po possibly pursuing something, but, Along those lines, I kind of want to talk about, you mentioned that Chop Shop, right, was the company you were working with. Yep. Um, and got your start in, but they have since dismantled, you said, and you have now started your own company. So would you like to talk a little bit about how transitioning to your own with all the projects you're working on that you have listed? Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I was at Chop Shop with, uh, with Alex Patsavas for uh, you know, a little over 10 years. And, um, you know, uh, just recently she, she, uh, accepted a, an amazing position over at Netflix, uh, working in the, you know, kind of heading and, uh, putting together the TV music department over there. Um, and so she decided to close down chop shop. And so a bunch of us, the, the few of us that were there, all kind of broke off and to do our own thing. And so I'm, I am going off as an independent supervisor now on my own uh, and I just recently at the start of this month kicked off uh, Monster Sector Music Supervision, uh, the name of my company. Pretty excited about it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, it's, been, it's been interesting so far. You know, I never, uh, I never expected to be running my own business, honestly. So uh, there was a lot to learn uh, about, you know, setting up a business and everything you need to do with that. And so I've been kind of doing that over this month, getting everything prepared. Um, and now I'm kind of in a uh, little bit of a holding pattern here while we wait for production to start up. I, I first thing coming up for me is going to be another life season two, um, which is on Netflix. Um, an awesome sci-fi show that uh, was really fun to work on the first season. And I'm really excited to, you know, have it, have it coming back this season and, and really just be my, my first thing is monster sector. It's going to be really fun. Uh, and I'm just dying to get started on it. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's just like, it's just frustrating, you know, I, um, 
I was still, we were still working on projects to chop shop all the way till the end of June. Um, Cause there were a few things that had been filmed and, you know, we were also wrapping up, like I was still wrapping up Lucifer season five and I was working on council of dads on NBC. And uh, now it's been like, you know, about a month now and I haven't been, you know, doing any, I haven't, you know, had any real work to do <laughs> for a project. And so I'm like, oh, I miss, I miss like, you know, working on a scene and, you know, reaching out, being able to reach out to, you know, artists and saying like, Hey, we landed your song or like, we're, we're, we'd like to request your track. Uh, you know, so I miss that a little bit. Um, and even though it's only been one month, so I'm like kind of chomping at the bit to get, to get back into it. Uh, but hopefully things will be ramping back up, uh, next month or towards the end of next month. So that's what I'm hoping. And, um, yeah, so I've got another life season two and then, I'll, uh, Lucifer is ha having a season six coming after that. So that'll be coming as well. Um, and yeah, we've got the Lucifer season five premiering August 21st. Uh, I believe it is the first half of it. So uh, there's going to be eight episodes coming out that day and then more coming later. Pretty exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. Okay. So for all my friends that I've met because we're all fans of Lucifer, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a couple questions. So I know that the storyline is that, you know, obviously Lucifer's character has a club and, and loves music and plays the piano. So what, when you, you're talking through things and, and going through music with the creative team at Lucifer and how you've gone about getting certain songs and, and highlighting certain aspects within the show, what has been kind of your most surprising take from the way music is integrated into the show uh, that might be different from maybe one of the other projects you're working on? Oh man. Um, yeah. It's always fun working on the big, like, you know, on camera moments uh, in Lucifer. They, they always have a, it's always like a good time and, and um, they pick, they pick such great music. The, 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 the music choices for a lot of those things, you know, will first come from, um, the producers and writers of the episode. And, uh, you know, then once we, once we get the script and see what song is in there, uh, we'll, we'll go out and try to clear the track. And then, you know, if it ends up being something that's not clearable or outside of, uh, outside of the, you know, fees that we're able to handle with the budget, um, then sometimes we'll get into pitching, um, pitching different songs. Like I know they, I know they've been trying to get, uh, you know, the song Hurt in there a few times, um, Johnny Cash uh, Hurt, but it's just really expensive to clear that. And so I don't, we, we haven't quite got to it yet. Um, but, uh, you know, we do, I know they, they teased it a little bit and I can't talk too much about it, but there is a big musical episode coming up that I had a lot of fun working on. And that was like one of the biggest, the biggest uh the biggest clearance episodes I've ever had to deal with, uh, with the show. Uh, and I can't wait for everyone to see, uh, see that episode. Um, and that'll be, that'll be coming out, I think in the second half, uh, of season five. Um, but I think you guys will really like it. It, it was so much fun to work on. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so I guess where I'm coming from, like, uh, um, in terms of like, so I've met with a lot of other fans of Lucifer and specifically there was a convention last year that a lot of us, you know, went to um, here in LA and 
overwhelmingly with a lot of the, as I was meeting fans and we were talking about the show, finally we were in a room where we could talk about the show. Everybody overwhelmingly talked, one of their favorite things about Lucifer over even a lot of other shows is the music and how it helps the storyline more than maybe a lot of other things that they've watched or seen over the years. Have you noticed or gotten any feedback other than myself uh, out there that has been a little bit different in terms of how people connect the music with the characters and with the writing of the show? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, we get a lot of, we get a lot of feedback um, about the music and, and, you know, I've been trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter uh, especially now with the, with the new company um, and just like interacting with fans. And it's been amazing to see people uh, just really love the music. You know, last season, season four, we had um, a couple moments um, that just really did really well, like on TuneFind and we're getting a lot of streams, uh, getting a lot of streams on Spotify and everything um, for a couple, couple scenes. And, you know, one of them was one I was totally not expecting. And then the other one made sense. Cause it was like, Oh, the, this is the big, like, you know, my love will never die at the, uh, in the, in the big finale moment. Um, that track is amazing by the way. Oh that's yeah. Probably, <laughs> that's probably me on Spotify listening to it over and over again. <laughs> that, that song was, was awesome. Uh, they, they did a good job, like making that work for that moment. And uh, I'm not, that one I was not surprised that people really connected with, but it's been fun to see people, um, you know, just like, it, I think is the first show that I've worked more directly on that people are just like, you can tell people are just really obsessed, like putting together their own YouTube uh, videos with songs that, you know, weren't even in the show, but still kind of like really have that capture that Lucifer vibe and that people are just like, Oh man, like this song makes me think of the show. I'm going to cut it into this, like, you know, Decker star montage. <laughs> and, and, uh, and um, I just think uh, that's just so cool to see the fan engagement all over about the music that, that makes me happy. And that, that, you know, everyone on the show is working their best to kind of like, you know, craft those moments for the fans and, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for them to see the new season. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what people, people think of all the, all the new music coming, uh, coming for season five. Cause there's even more, yeah, more episodes in season four. So more music for everyone to love. <laughs> That's exciting. So yeah. um, you mentioned, and obviously it's on your website, uh, you're excited to, to start with another life, like the next season. Honestly, there's just so much content out there. I haven't caught up on it, but, <laughs> yeah. um, and you, you mentioned another show on NBC you're working on and, and uh, on your website, you also have some stuff that I didn't know you worked on that I've watched. Um, so specifically the insatiable, uh, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what has been like the most fulfilling, the fact that you have this variety of shows to kind of work on or what has been kind of, you know, you, you've been doing this for 10 years and, and mm -hmm. I, I can feel the passion in what your results are, you know, like I said, in watching this first. So what has been the most like rewarding in, in all of the projects, not just specifically Lucifer or maybe something you worked on years ago. Um, kind of talk about like, what with the dynamic of maybe the industry changing or just kind of the changes in your career how 
is propelled to kind of be able to like know that you're owning this as your own now uh, under your own company. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the most rewarding thing for me is just has always been like the building the relationships with, with all the people that we work with at, uh, the record labels, the publishing companies, um, the, you know, sync pitching companies, and sometimes with the artists directly, uh, that, that has been really rewarding throughout, like, you know, it's, it's been, you know, starting my own company and sending out that first email, like, like, Hey, uh, you know, I, you know me from chop shop and this is my new thing. Uh, it was so heartening to get so many emails back from people that I've worked with um over the years would be like oh so excited for you like you know i'm excited to continue working with you at this new company and and that has been really great um and you know just just getting to uh you know whenever every once in a while we get you know a chance to um hear that uh you know one of the syncs we got was like the artist's first sync or or um you know Sometimes we're also, you know, working with a artist that is totally unsigned and dealing with them directly and just seeing the excitement when they land something um, or getting to see someone who you helped land one of their first sinks. And then now they're like this huge, you know, <laughs> they're like this huge artist that's all over the place. Um, you know, like, like, like the uh, artist Valerie Broussard, like we, we landed one of her like earlier uh, uses, um, while at chop shop and now she's gone and she's just all over the place and, and making huge, you know, pop hits with Galantis and all sorts of stuff, you know? And so it's just exciting to see, it's really exciting to see stuff like that happen for artists that you love. And, um, yeah, just, just building those relationships. Cause that's so important. Um, one of the most important parts of the job, uh, is just the networking and relationships you build, uh, because you can't, uh, yeah, a lot of times you'll you'll have a hard time getting things cleared if if people, you know, don't trust you or don't don't uh, you know have a solid relationship with you. Um, can definitely make things more difficult as a music supervisor. So uh, it's been really exciting for me to have have that support from people too when as I'm starting my my new company. Awesome, uh, that's exciting to hear about artists. Now, have you found obviously in big projects like Lucifer, anything's with with the backing popular music or recognizable music has been kind of a goal but how are you guys like you mentioned have used songs that maybe were from other artists or independent artists have you seen a uptick in projects actually wanting like a song that may not be from somebody well-known artist maybe be an upcoming artist or anybody independently that you know, you, you may be listening to because you found it sometime when you research and maybe suggest it. Or have you seen like a difference in kind of the approach to the different projects? Uh, I haven't seen like a, there, there's not, I haven't seen like a, you know, overall trend like that. But the, uh, the interest in, um, you know, unknown or upcoming artists uh, oftentimes depends on the, music tastes of the um, creators and producers of the show and also the budget that you're given um, from the 
production company or the studio uh, for music. Um, so, you know, if you have like a huge music budget, uh, they're going to want to probably, uh, you know, license some more recognizable popular songs um, unless that big music budget is used for a show that is going to be using lots of music in an episode, then you might be using uh, a, a wide variety of smaller artists to kind of like eat up that budget. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, music budget aside, I, I feel like it's mostly dependent on the, you know, the tastes and, uh, you know, music knowledge of the creators of the show. Cause a lot of people, a lot of producers will come in with, you know, very strong opinions on music and other ones will be a little bit more like, you know, you're the supervisor, like, show me what's cool. Like, once we decide what the template's going to be for the show and what they are looking for, some, some producers are more open to, you know, hearing new, uh, new up and coming tracks or stuff that's going to be hits in the future potentially. Uh, and then other ones are just like, Hey, how many, you know, <laughs> how many streams does this band have on Spotify? Like, uh, how do I, do I know them? Are they on the radio? Like, how come I haven't heard of them? Why are you sending me these artists? I don't know. So it, it kind of, it kind of depends from project to project, honestly. And I, I don't feel like at least at a chop shop um, that we saw any tr specific trend um, uh, either way, but yeah, it was kind of more of a project to project basis. So moving forward, I guess it's hard to kind of predict with the way the situation is now and, and kind of the, the, the downtime and, and what's going forward, but is, are you seeing more, um, like artists has, has the uptake in artists kind of like sending you music or have you seen, are you working more with like A&R and labels? Is it, is it, or is it a variety in terms of it, yeah, contacts? I mean, it's definitely a variety. Uh, you know, we have, we have our contacts at, we have our contacts at the labels. We have our contacts at publishing and the, you know, pitching companies as well. But uh, I think, you know, I think every music supervisor you would talk to would also say like they love to uh, try and discover stuff on their own and, uh, you know, it, not fully rely on the music blasts that are coming into your email inbox every day for your music discovery, but also be, you know, out on, you know, blogs and uh, on Spotify and recommendations from friends and, and um, just your own searching, you know, on you know hype machine or whatever you're whatever you're using uh to to find music i think that uh yeah i think i think that it's not we're not fully relying on you know the music blasts from those people but it's definitely very helpful especially when you need to go uh license a song it's good to know uh the music blasts often help us to be able to track down who controls it and who we need to go to to license the song. Sometimes that can be a little bit trickier with totally independent artists who are not familiar with what it takes to license a song. And so sometimes they, um, they don't know what's, they don't really know what to do when you send them a quote request or they haven't like, you know, totally tied up everything where there's song, like there's other writers and, they have an uncleared sample, but they don't know what to do about that. And so sometimes you can run into situations with bands that aren't represented by anyone uh, where it could end up being a situation where you can't get it cleared or um, you need to move on to something else. Um, 
due to them just, you know, sometimes they're unexperienced and, and, and you can't, uh, you, you need to, maybe you're in a hurry and you need to like get something that's clearable quicker. Yeah. Awesome. So before I, I take too much of your time, I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcast SQL rights and, um, I've listened uh, to a few episodes, but primarily recently, because I saw the movie, I've been listening to all of the ones you guys, your discussions on the Bad Boys franchise. Because, oh, nice. Because that was the last movie I saw in theaters before theaters were shut down. Oh, yeah. Um, Good choice. <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up with that franchise, so I knew how ridiculous that movie was going to be, but <laughs> that's what makes it awesome. So... Talk a little bit about sequel rights and, and for those listeners out there that obviously are listening to my podcast, they can go check out your podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> sequel rights is a, yeah, a podcast that me and uh, my friends, uh, Eliz and uh, Tyler do totally for fun. Um, <laughs> and it's not music related at all. It's, it's more, it's all about movies and we talk uh, each week about a movie that is part of a franchise that went on longer than you may uh have realized <laughs> uh so the our whole thing uh is just like talking about film franchises that you know have eight entries and you were like wait what i knew they made a second one but there's eight or something like that uh and we just have a really fun time talking about these often stupid movies um but we have you know had a the opportunity to have a lot of cool guests on the podcast just recently we we're doing um actually just this week we dropped uh our episode on spy kids 3d <laughs> um but we were able to uh interview alexa penavega who played carmen cortez uh in the franchise one of the main you know the the main spy kids uh and it was you know that was like something that you know we were super excited about to interview her, her and you know we've interviewed like the director of free willy and um producers of dragonheart films um lots of cool people have been on the podcast and we, we have a fun time doing it. And yeah, if you get, if, if, if anyone wants to check it out, uh, you know, we, uh, it's super fun. We have a fun time doing it. Um, you can find us at sequelrights.com um, or yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, what I love, especially about sequel rights, I mean, is your fun discussion of it, but it's this discussion that anybody sitting around talking about, the fact that there's more than one of whatever this is has like you guys cracked me up when I was listening to the bad boys ones, because it's true. Like everything you guys said about Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and like kind of why, why would we even want more than one? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yet we have, and they've like broken box office records and, Mm -hmm. and probably we're going to get a fourth that no one wants. And, I just, I just love, it's not just, that's just one example. I mean, you guys have been yeah. at this I don't, I, I don't know. I really like the third one. So I'm down for more. <laughs> I'm down for more at this point. Yeah. Well, I like the third one too, but I mean, like at what point, sometimes, no, I, I sometimes you can just leave it to rest, but yeah. Um, so like you mentioned, you've had, you know, people from a certain franchise. What has, has, do you think that that's kind of helped? I know you're talking about movies, but I mean, music supervision happens for movies as well. Do you think that yeah. kind of having that podcast and having those discussions with your friends and who you've been able to network with has directly helped 
uh, kind of your creativity and kind of how you've approached music supervision on your project? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We, we often do talk about the music in the, in the movies because sometimes it's like so ridiculous. Um, and we have had a couple music supervisors on uh, to talk about the, the films that we're talking about. Um, like we had the Jonathan Christensen on to talk about the latest Chucky film, um, uh, Child's Play remake. And, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the podcast is great because it's like, you know, it's, it's another like creative outlet for me. And uh, it's just fun to try to have these more, you know, semi-intelligent conversations about film. Um, and it's been fun to just kind of like, you know, bounce those ideas and, and, and just taking like total fan deep dives into these franchises for weeks at a time um, have been really fun for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if it's particularly like, you know, a, affecting my music supervision you know career or anything yet but uh it's fun to you know hear my colleagues like uh say that they've checked out the podcast and have a fun time and people know that it's a thing i do and and sometimes that has helped us get uh get some bigger guests and stuff so yeah i guess i don't know you know i've been i've been podcasting for seven years on here mm -hmm. and um a lot of my guests have been music related. I've also had other uh, guests on. Um, and what it, I guess for those, you know, who they've, they've, they've been talking about during quarantine that there's been an uptick in people starting podcasts. <laughs> yep. uh, so other than like, you know, what you just spoke about in terms of like just the fun and, and talking about films and, and whatever you talk about, what is what is one thing that you've gotten out of podcasting that you were surprised you got out of podcasting? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh man, um, just uh, yeah, I guess you know I, I ended up being the one who does like the audio editing, so um, my audio editing skills have gotten my, <laughs> mildly better, uh, which has been fun. Um, yeah, honestly, I think just like yeah, I. I I think just some of the guests we've got to talk to, like I, you know, the, some of these people like very early on, we talked to uh, like in our first year, we got to talk to the creator of the Tremors franchise, SS um, Wilson. And it, I think that was the first time that we reached out to someone who was like, a, you know, uh, a big like known name cr creator of this like entire franchise that people are crazy about Tremors. And um just just being totally shocked that he would say yes and we had only been like doing like 10 episodes or something you know uh i think that that i think that is one of the coolest things like that you know if if you are starting a podcast or something like just reach just reach out to whoever you might want to try to get on your show that you you don't know what they're going to say they might just say yes like you, you know there's there's no harm in asking and that has been one of the the more freeing things for me just like screw it like let's, let's ask this big person like whatever let's just do it they, they might say yes uh, and uh yeah it's been it's been exciting to see some of the people that are just down to to just talk talk you know like we're like we're nobody we're just we're just doing this for fun like but the people that are you know willing to give us their time and and uh insights into a project that was a big part of their lives has been really fun to kind of like uh, get some inspiration from them as well well Awesome. And I agree. Um, yeah. And I, again, appreciate you joining me. Like I, I reached out 
we had kind of known each other a little bit on Twitter for a while. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I wonder if you'd like to be on my podcast. <laughs> so, um, uh, again, thank you. And for the listeners out there, where can they find you on the social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at AKA 12 max, um, which I am a little bit more active on, but I also have monster sector, uh, that's getting going. Uh, you can, you can check out my website at monstersector.com. And then, yeah, if you want to check out sequel rights, like I said, you can go to sequelrights.com, uh, find it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts and you can follow us on Twitter as well, uh, at sequel rights. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you listen. If you listen, reach out and let me know. Um, uh, I, we always love hearing feedback. <laughs> that's one of our favorite parts. Well, thank you. And, uh, I look forward to checking out Lucifer coming up soon. Yeah, I hope you like it. You'll have to let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on here, Brooke. This was uh, super fun. Thank you for listening to Trending Topics with BB. Hope you enjoyed the episode. To show your support and join the community, please become a patron at patreon.com slash ttwithbb, where you can get exclusive access to episodes and more for as low as a George Washington, which is $1, and as high as an Alexander Hamilton, which is $10. Your support on Patreon would mean the world to me. And then all additional information on this podcast can be found at trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or inquiries, please email at ttwithbbpod at gmail.com. Thank you.